Hey, girlfriends. I just wanted to take a minute to introduce this show. This is a show that we recorded with Kathleen Zellman, who's a registered dietitian nutritionist and incredibly accomplished. She's actually the nutritionist for WebMD, and she's spoken on stages with people as wide-reaching as Walter Willett from the Harvard School of Public Health to the First Lady Michelle Obama. She is incredibly influential, and she knows so many things about nutrition. So I'm really excited to bring you this show and the next show, which will be a part two. So in this first part of the show, we talk a lot about um, nutrition and myths and discerning truth from fiction. And I think it's such an important topic because there's so much information and so much noise in the nutrition space, and we really want to help you figure out how to cut through that. So in this first part, part one of two, um, we're going to talk about red flags, how to identify good science versus bad science, and things to look for when you're evaluating the information that you're reading. So with that, I give you our conversation with Kathleen Zellman. Ever have a conversation with your girlfriend that was so good you wish it had been recorded? Think those conversations would be great to be able to share? Wondering if there's support or research for the recommendations your smart girlfriends give about mental, spiritual, and physical health? This podcast was born to answer those kinds of questions. Hello, I'm Sherry Coleman-Collins, registered dietitian nutritionist, and here with me in the studio is my girlfriend, Dee Wilson. We're excited to have you joining us today for this edition of the Southern Fried Girlfriends podcast. Dee, how are you today? I'm doing great. I've got on like three different shades of orange and yellow, and so <laughs> I'm feeling very summery today. You how about you? look it. You look it. I'm good. I'm not nearly as colorful as you are. <laughs> I've, I've such a monotone like wardrobe. I need to add more color. But I buy it and then I never wear it. So. <laughs> I just then, then don't buy it. Right. I need to just embrace who I am. Who I am is just like monotone. That <laughs> is not true. But if you have a monochromatic yeah. wardrobe, it's yeah. beautiful because it fits you and it makes Thank you feel you. comfortable. You know what? It's more neutral. I shouldn't say mm. monotone. It's a neutral. So, so girlfriends, if you're a neutral, like raise your hand, acknowledge who you are. <laughs> my so my BFF is has always tried to get me to buy like colorful clothes, and she's Latin, so she's from Miami, and so she's like very colorful personality and always has like colorful um, stuff going on. And when we go shopping together, she always encourages me to add color. And then if I buy it, I never wear it. So I've finally learned to just say, look, I need the brown and the charcoal and the occasional blue. <laughs> but see, the thing about it is, do you remember, did you ever get, like, get your colors done? No, I never were... did that. I need okay, to do that. Okay, so I had my colors done when oh. I first started wearing makeup. It was something that my mom required okay. us to do. And the I feel way like I missed out. Your coloring is perfect for the colors that you just described. Oh, okay. So you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for removing some of that guilt. <laughs> Oh my God, I never feel guilty no. about making choices that make you feel good. Uh, oh, thank you. No. So sweet. So the next time I buy another pair of black pants, because <laughs> I already have like 14 pairs. You can't have too many no, pairs of black pants. No, you can't. And they fade fast, right? right? They fade fast. So 
oh my gosh, I don't know how we diverged into all of that, but that was left turn. <laughs> my husband says squirrel. <laughs> well, I think that uh, that we should go ahead and just get right into the show because we have the most exciting guest. I'm really thrilled to welcome Kathleen Zellman, who is one of my dear friends and has been a mentor to me and absolutely somebody that um, I have like a dietitian crush on because, uh, <laughs> because Kathleen has done all the coolest things that I, I watched. I've watched her career over my career and she was an instructor to me when I was actually going to school and I always looked at what she had done and what she was doing and I thought and I still think like oh I want to be Kathleen when I grow up like I want to do that that's awesome that's so cool so many really neat things and so without further ado I'll give you a little snippet of her background but y'all I can't I don't have time like we'd have no show I just go on and on <laughs> about all the things she's done but here is a little bit so Kathleen Zellman has been the director of nutrition for Web MD for more than 15 years. Yeah, that is the WebMD that you all know. During her tenure, she's helped build a state-of-the-art food, diet, and nutrition portal. Recently, she was named contributing editor to the Academy of Nutrition, Dietetics, Food and Nutrition magazine, and a member of the board of directors of the True Health Initiative. So you'll have to tell us about that because I know Very a little cool. bit about it. She's a speaker, writer, author, and a teacher to both professionals and consumers, and she's done a million different things, as I've already suggested in her career, and I can't do justice to all of her accomplishments, but I do want to say that she's won tons of awards, including the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics Media Excellence Award and the Lena Cooper Francis Award, which is one of the highest honors in our profession. She's also, as I've already said, an amazing mentor and friend. And I'm so glad to welcome you to the thank show. Thank you. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. And thank you for that lovely introduction. That was just too kind. Well, I'm crazy about you. And I appreciate the advice that you've given me, both as a, as a professional and as a mom. I always credit you um, when I am talking to people about trying to achieve balance and why I do things the way I do and how I decided when I got pregnant or actually before my son was born, but not when I got pregnant. And somewhere in the time after he was born, I decided like, I don't think I can continue to work full time with the same schedule that I did. This wasn't what was going to be right for me, but I was really struggling with that decision because I love being a dietitian and I love the work that I do and I didn't want to give it up. Mm -hmm. But I also knew that I really wanted to be able to be a present mom and I didn't want to have to, I did, I wanted, it took me a long time to get pregnant and to have a baby. And so I wanted to be able to really enjoy it. And I asked you, like I was sharing that with you. Remember this? I I, do. I remember this I like do. it was yesterday. And I said, I, I was just struggling with what to do. And you said, you will never regret the time that you spend with your children. And over and over, I have gone back to that over and over. And I have I have passed that advice on. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It gives me goosebumps because I really believe that. Yeah. I mean, you'll never look back and regret that you didn't spend more time working. And I, too, love being a dietitian. Yeah. But um, being a mom has just been the greatest joy in my life, and now I'm a grandmother. Yay! So, I mean, just pay it forward. And, yeah. and there's something about holding your son's son. Oh, You know gosh. I mean? And it's all the joy. You get to give him back. You don't, you don't have to stay up all those sleepless nights, but I'm always willing to help. Do I want to change the diaper, or do I want to oh. give you to your mama? Yeah. <laughs> but um, you have found balance, and yeah. I'm proud of you. I thank mean, you, you. you have, your career is amazing. You're, oh, you're doing fabulous stuff. Oh, so wow. you should feel good, and your son's just adorable. Thank you. Well, there are a million things I want to do still. but um, And you'll get to them. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. And, I, and I'm always encouraging my... Um, 
younger in their career, younger in their life, friends, girlfriends, that, you know, if you look at you, the, the potential lifespan you have ahead of you, right, you're going to live a long time and you have a lot of time yet to accomplish those professional things you want to accomplish. And there's so totally. many people in our field who inspire me in that way. But even beyond that, outside of that, you know, I always like to think about, and I've talked about her before, Julia Child, you know, didn't even publish her first book until she was in her 40s. I'm like, okay, so I, I'm like, I, I still have time to Absolutely. do things. Like can continue to reinvent yourself. Exactly. And, I mean, think back. I mean, just less than 10 years ago, we really, nobody had smartphones. Oh, yeah. Internet was just getting launched and how life has changed and how that has impacted careers. So who knows what lies ahead if you embrace it and, Absolutely. you know, are engaged, you will, you know, land on your feet and do great things. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's so inspiring. So thank you for that advice and thank you for being here. So tell us a little bit. I've, I mentioned some of the highlights that I took from your bio, but tell us a little bit more about yourself and, you know, what you do and how you got to where you are. Oh, you want the short version? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I won't bore you with too many details. Well, when I was in college, I wanted to be a ballerina. I, um, you know, I'd studied dance growing up and it was my passion. It's why I chose to go to school where I did. And my father said to me, honey, um, you're not going to, your body's just not going to hold up. You need to find something else that you're passionate about. So just being interested in anatomy and physiology and, and how dance works and defying gravity and how important nutrition is to keeping this body able to do all the work that it needs to in, in dance, um, I found nutrition. Mm. And um, I've never looked back. I have just loved my career. And I started out, I was a clinical dietitian, which I think is a great path for most dietitians when they get out to at least work a year in a hospital so you can see you can really understand that level of clinical care mm -hmm. um, I always say that's where you synergize the information you learned absolutely. like you really can see every single day the impact that nutrition has on the body in when you're dealing with people who are in well, a health and disease situation. right mm -hmm. right uh, and even though there's so many um, so many students who graduate say oh I'm not interested in that I still think it was very valuable and I would recommend it. So I did clinical, did basic clinical nutrition and then I became a pediatric dietitian, mm. which I absolutely loved. And there I had an opportunity to do a little food service. And then I had a baby. And I, I like you, tried to think about how am I going to balance this? And um, I got a job as a dietetic internship director. Oh. So I did. So then I had interns that I was directing, and they allowed me to work four days a week. Nice. That no one worked that fifth day, but they said, if you can get all your work done. Um, mm -hmm. So I was able to strike a little better balance. And I did that for a while, and then I taught um, on the college level. Mm -hmm. So teaching and mentoring have always been things I've been passionate about. And then I got involved in media, and mm -hmm. I um, I wrote an article. I had a girlfriend who was the food editor of the Times-Picayune in New Orleans, and um, she invited me to get a byline, which at that point I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> that means by so-and-so, so that's your byline. That's right. So I wrote an article. And interestingly enough, the title of the article was Rating the Fat Fighters, since today we're talking about fat diets. Um, and the local radio station invited me to come on and talk about the article because I basically took the most popular diets at that time, ranked them according to a variety of different criteria. And so I went on the radio show and, and then they invited me back and they invited me back and 
um, they ultimately offered me a show. How about that? <laughs> I know. Ah. So that kind of got into media sort of through the back door. And then at that time, the Academy, which was then called the American Dietetic Association, was launching a program called the Ambassador Program. So I became an ambassador for um, basically a spokesperson for the um, the American Dietetic Association. And then I moved to Atlanta. I was living in New Orleans. I moved here and they said, oh, we, we want you to continue. Well, being an ambassador in Atlanta gave me CNN. So oh, that opened yeah. up all kinds of wonderful opportunities and opportunities to meet people and network and being a spokesperson, which is the program's now called Spokespersons for the Academy, was really one of the greatest um, joys as well as opportunities to really take my career into another direction. And then um, WebMD found me. Hmm. Um, I wasn't even looking. So it was it was just a great opportunity. And they were just launching. I mean, that was when oh, the wow. Internet was yeah. – there really wasn't much competition back then, yeah. certainly with On Health um, online. And so we really, you know, got to build out and develop and ahead of the curve. Yeah. So it's it's been great. I love what I do. I love writing. I love educating. Um, I'm totally based on scientific evidence, so I'm not one of those dietitians that changes my tune according to one study. Yeah. I'm pretty conservative, but I think conservative is what we need to be before we make drastic changes. So my review today of the fad diets is really from a very conservative perspective um, because uh, we don't need fat diets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I love the fact that you started your media career with a review of fat diets and still we are talking about fat diets. We'll never, they're never going to go away. They'll never go away because everyone's looking for that magic bullet. Yeah. How can I lose weight quickly, easily? And if it were that quick and easy, why would we have an obesity problem? Yeah. It's just not. Yeah. Um, you know, it really takes perseverance and commitment. I mean, we make decisions every day on what to put into our mouth and whether or not to exercise, just like you do what to wear. Yeah. Every single day we make hundreds of decisions about our health by way of eating and physical activity. And so you just, my my advice in general is be a B student. Try to do the right thing most of the time. <laughs> and that's how I how I really have lived my my health life. It's like, no one's perfect. Yeah. I still want to have that ice cream sundae yep. and a glass of wine, but where where do you make trade-offs? How do you balance it? How do you do, how do you try to, you know, the power of nutrition and the power of the food on your plate is so important to your health yeah. that it's way more than what size jeans you wear. Oh, amen. That is, I've never heard it described that way, but that makes so much more sense to me than 80-20. Like, mm -hmm. be a B student. Mm -hmm. I get that. Yeah. I get what that <laughs> We've means. all been in school, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, you know, the 80-20 rule, I'm like, okay, does this falling into the 20%? Oh, well, maybe yeah. it's 30, but who cares? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to have this extra slice of cake or whatever, but... Yeah. Be student, I get that. Yeah. 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 And it's really about consistency, right? So totally. what do you consistently do? That's what I always tell people. It's mm -hmm. like consistency. And, you know, wh what you consistently do is what you excel at, you know? So if you're consistently cooking at home, you'll get better at it. If you're consistently eating fruits and vegetables, you will enjoy them more. Mm -hmm. You know, those are the kinds of things. If you're consistently drinking water, you're going to become a water drinker, you know, mm -hmm. that's just, it, it's just natural. If you look at any of the 
people who are um, incredible athletes, you know, that's so much of how they become incredible athletes is by consistently doing the same things over and over and over. And we have to do the same thing when it comes to our health. It's the only way to live. Well, and that consistency really helps you. Like, let's say you're, you're have a sweet tooth, which I do. Me too. Um, and <laughs> if you go, if you consistently satisfy that with things like fruits and vegetables, or you do a small portion of frozen yogurt, you'll soon become very satisfied with that. That yeah. it just sometimes takes that 21 days or it just takes consistently approaching it. You know, get rid of those candy bars. Stop buying them. Don't bring them in your house. Yeah. Another one of my rules of life is if you don't love it, don't eat it. Amen. Um, so, I mean, so <laughs> you short. take a bite and if it's not wonderful, don't bother. Yeah. Um, if you don't love the taste of that wine, don't drink it. Uh, you know, it's it's okay. I mean, I, I don't don't advocate food waste whatsoever, but personal responsibility, don't don't engage and don't stick your hand in a bag of chips and eat them if you don't love them and it's not that treat that you're really looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like for me most recently, how is this making me feel after? Good and point. really understanding that something that even though I may enjoy it in the moment, if I'm feeling horrible after Maybe right. I should just stop. Mm -hmm. Or yeah. your body's talking to you. Yeah, it's like, girl, stop. Yeah. I mean, you eat a, a big a donut, um, and, you know, your stomach feels a little uncomfortable. Well, yeah. just, they're talking to you. Yeah. You know, like, there's a, there's a communication going on. Yeah. We were, so on our previous show, we were talking to a guest about mindful eating and the importance of savoring those first bites of something, you know, when you're, if it's, if it's chocolate or if it's something salty or whatever it is, the most satisfaction you're going to get from eating that is in those first few bites. And after that, your, your taste buds become overwhelmed and your brain has been stimulated in, in, in so many ways already. Eating a whole lot more after that's really not going to make you feel better. And it's she, just that you continue because it tastes so good. Yeah. But you're right. You get that. I mean, just you want to savor it. Yes. You know, like, so think about if you need to have chocolate, you have that little, yeah. little, you know, mini version, not the whole big giant bar. Yeah. Portion, portion <laughs> sizes size. count. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I love um, hearing your perspective on that. And we know that the... Um, the, the, the health and sort of, you know, I, I always say wellness and put it in quotes because there's so much of the wellness um, noise out there that's really just about dieting. It's mm -hmm. really just dieting. It's not, they, they call it wellness. They call it, you know, a healthy lifestyle. But really at the end of the day, it's just dieting with lipstick on. You know, it's <laughs> they're just trying to make it look pretty and sound sexy and trendy. But the reality is there's nothing wellness focused about a lot of these approaches to eating. So when I invited you to join us, I really was excited to hear your take on some of the popular approaches to eating that I would classify as fad diets, and mm -hmm. I will be interested to hear what you think about it. And also um, thought that you were the right person to help us think about what are some red flags when we're evaluating both maybe nutrition information, but even other health information. Are there some like standard red flags that you throw up when you hear something or read something? Totally. Well, I would say um, before we get into red flags of diets, because there are lots of those, 
But every day there are new studies that come out. Yeah. But yet not all studies are created equally. They're not all well done. They're not all of their different calibers of studies. And so you really have to rely on experts to help you interpret whether or not this is a good study Mm -hmm. or a bad study. But in general, what we like to think is that we look for the weight of the evidence. One study does not poke a hole in 25 other studies that have shown us that the role of saturated fat is critically important in heart health. So one study comes out along and says it's not. We put that within the body of evidence and and evaluate it accordingly. Now, sometimes we, we, we take right turns and we change our advice, but yet it has to be based on more than just one study. Mm-hmm. And as you know, a registered dietitian nutritionist, I make sure that when we make public health recommendations, they're they're based on this collective, you know, the that there's not just one study. So mm-hmm. scientific evidence, how you interpret it. So you want to trust the experts to help you, not necessarily bloggers or wellness bloggers mm-hmm. that don't have that um, understanding of the different types of studies, whether it's an epidemiologic one, whether it's a clinical trial, what the difference is, and whether or not it's a good study mm-hmm. or not. So, mm-hmm. can um, I also say, yes, one thing I would say about that as well, when you think about the source, um, is is also considering conflicts of interest. You know, if somebody's trying to sell you something. They're very unlikely to tell you bad things about whatever they're trying to sell you. So whether it's a book or a program or a supplement or a food or whatever, if they're trying to sell you something, they're not going to tell you the downside. They're not, not. going to tell you the limitations. They're not going to tell you any of the um, the negative things. They're only going to tell you the positive. So I think that when we're evaluating studies and information, especially um, broad recommendations for avoiding or including certain things, we have to consider the source and their conflict, potential sure. conflict of sure. interest. If they're selling you something, be leery. And yeah. sometimes they'll say, we did an internal survey or uh-huh. they'll call it a study and it's not really a study. We like to see studies that are published in what we call peer review journals. Right. So that means a body of your peers are looking at it objectively. And I'd also say, um, don't think just because a study was paid for by a company means that it's it, it's potentially not valid. Right. Data is data. And if we had to rely on the government, there's just not enough funds to go around to do all the studies that we need. So industry funded um, studies can be every bit as good as, you know, an NIH or a government uh, funded study. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to look at it closer than simply who paid for it. But, right. you know, clearly there's, if you're paying for it, you're trying to get out information, but partly they, like if you were the Walnut Commission, you're going to go to universities and have independent researchers doing the work mm-hmm. um, and, you know, that you you have it done objectively. Mm-hmm. But let me get on to what we're, what most people are really interested in is fad diets and, and what you should think about before you embrace it. First of all, don't go on any diet if you have any kind of medical condition that requires physician intervention. So check with your doctor, check with your dietitian, and make sure that you're on a plan that's going to work for you. So before you even look at and evaluate if you have high blood pressure or heart disease or diabetes, 
um, any number of chronic health conditions, you need to make sure that you're um, in sync with your healthcare professionals in terms of what's right for you. Mm-hmm. So if, if a fad diet says, oh, you can lose 30 pounds in 10 days, or it gives you this unrealistic <laughs> fix, quick fix, it's not quick and it's not easy. And if it were quick and easy, we wouldn't have an obesity problem. Mm-hmm. Um, when they make claims that sound too good to be true, they probably are. Um, they're, they're too good to be true. So, you know, just be a little bit discerning about those claims. Um, sometimes you'll find that they make very simple conclusions from a very complex study. That often is another red flag because um, let's see what the author says. What, what were the author's conclusions? <laughs> I can't um, tell you how many times I've read an article online and the, the headline is something really sensational and you read the article and it's less sensational and then you go to the original study and it's completely not sensational. The, the conclusions were very like, we need more research. Well, that fake news. <laughs> yes. Um, no, it's a real thing. You know, news is a business yeah. and people try to sensationalize headlines in order to get you to click or buy their are their newspaper or their magazine or or be online and mm-hmm. click that study. So controversy sells. Well, it does and and sometimes the people who are writing these headlines, they're not scientists. Mm-hmm. And so wordsmithing one simple word can really change context. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful about that. Um, dramatic statements that um, are refuted by scientific organizations, so when the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics gives it a thumbs down or the American Medical Association, pay attention to those those groups because they're nonprofit professional organizations that we can trust. Um, another they're red, not trying to like hide no, anything. No, there's usually from me. <laughs> not any, you know, there's no hidden agenda there yeah. in general. Um, whenever a diet gives you good food and bad food, mm. we like to think that all foods fit. Sure. And so if you love bacon or you love Gummy bears bears or donuts, (laughs) you know, they might not be the best for you, but on occasion we can make those work in your diet. You can have those as treats. They're allowable. And so I I hate the good food, bad food. You know, we don't want to be those cops and we want to say that all foods fit, but obviously plant-based foods, fruits and vegetables, grains, they're much better than, you know, chips and treats and sodas and those kinds of things. Um, and as you said, Shelly, uh, Sherry, that if you have, you notice that they're trying to sell a product, you know, like oftentimes there's a diet that goes along with a, a sale of, you know, supplements mm-hmm. or something that you have to order on the website. That's a red flag yeah. for sure. Um, studies that are not peer reviewed. So not, mm-hmm. not published in a peer reviewed journal, um, rapid weight loss. I mean, we know one pound of fat roughly equals 3,500 calories. So you're going to have to cut back 500 calories a day over the course of a week to lose a pound of fat. So anything faster than that usually comes back um, quickly. And not only does it come back quickly, you might have lost valuable protein, like protein in muscle Mm -hmm. um, during that diet, that rapid weight loss. But then when you regain it, you're not going to regain, you're unlikely to regain muscle, but what you're going to regain is fat. Mm -hmm. So it's going to set you back. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a concern, you know, in terms of rapid weight loss, more likely to regain. And studies have shown that when you regain, you tend to regain more. Right. 
Right. So, you know. And there's some research now, too, that shows that that yo-yo dieting, that going up and down weight weight cycling, a lot of people call it, is can be more detrimental long term because yes. it can lead to more weight loss. But it also may have an increase. It may increase your risk for cardiovascular events. Yeah. I mean, yo-yo dieting is is not recommended at all. And anytime that you see a diet that says have as much cabbage soup or um, <laughs> grapefruit or whatever it is. Watermelon. Uh, is yeah. a watermelon one of them? Unlimited <laughs> quantities of specific foods while, you know, things like watermelon, grapefruits and, and cabbage, they're perfectly healthy foods. But when you're eating them constantly, it becomes quite monotonous and really hard to stick with. Yeah. So it's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, anything that's really restrictive, that pulls out whole food groups. Yeah. Um, dairy is in there because we that dairy is the best source of calcium and it's fortified with vitamin D. That's part of our, uh, you know, if you look at my plate and, and the plan that all Americans, public health nutrition recommendations, those food groups are all there because each one brings certain nutrient compositions that we all need. Mm -hmm. So whenever you see um, food groups pulled out, that's a red flag. Yeah. Um, now, sometimes you can replace it with um, vitamin, mineral supplements, but what you get in food are a whole host of phytonutrients and fiber that can't come in a pill. Yeah. And I'm all about uh, multivitamins and, and supplementing with the right kinds of vitamins and minerals that you might need. But always food first. Yeah. And then probably the last thing I would say about um, fad diets is when they say you don't have to exercise. <laughs> well, you do have to exercise. And it might not be about weight loss, but it's about good health. You yeah. need to use it or lose it. If you're not using those muscles, you're not going to be able to maintain the strength. We all want to be able to, you know, do squats and open cans and lift things and yeah. lift babies. And <laughs> so exercise is good for your heart, good for your muscles, good for your bones, and it's good for weight loss. So you, you have to exercise no matter what. And, and it could be walking. You don't have to run marathons, but there should be no program that says no exercise is necessary because it's just necessary for good health. Right. Oh, I love that. And I, I couldn't agree more about the physical activity. Like I am not, you know, Dino's like, I don't love to exercise, but I know how important it is. I know how important it is to my life. And so I try to work it into my lifestyle and I've gotten better the older I've gotten because I see I need it more. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, sure. I think there's a, there's great data behind the decrease in, um, in muscle mass that happens as right. we get a little older. Right. And so we have a lot of conversations around being women of a certain age mm -hmm. and how important it is <laughs> to combat those changes that right. happen and over they time. Happen. Uh, bone density for women. Bone density, yeah. right. And so, yeah, so nutrition is incredibly important. And as a dietitian, I definitely encourage people to eat well and make good choices around food. But you, you know, physical activity brings something different to the table. So they're not, they're not, it's not either or, right. and you can't bulk up in one area and skip the other. I had a friend um, who was a triathlete and he was a, he was just physically, he looked like he was in incredible health and he exercised like a fiend, but he also drank too much and he smoked, smoked occasionally mm. and he died of a massive heart attack in wow. his early forties. And I, I remember that happening and I just thought, how did Ow. that happen? <laughs> mm -hmm. But now looking back, yeah, I wasn't a dietitian then. Now looking back, I can see, oh, wow. You know, I never saw him eat a vegetable. 
I never, you know, I saw him smoke a drink a lot. Mm. And he thought that he could outrun his fork. You know, he thought that he could out-exercise his bad habits. If he just continued to stress his body with the physical activity, then the other things he did wouldn't wouldn't count. But it's not true. They, they do different things. Food and nutrition does something different for us than exercise. And we need them both. Absolutely. Mm. And I say, just try to do something. Yeah. Try to do something every day, even if it's 30 minutes, you go for a walk or you jump in your pool or you push your baby around or, you know, be active. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though we know strength training is important. In fact, I saw a study recently that said one thing that as you get older, you want to really concentrate on is being able to do squats. Yes. That means you, if you fall, you can get back up, that you can get down and up and keep those quadriceps strong. Right. And so we know about strength training and you don't have to go to a gym. You can do push-ups at home. You can do sit-ups. You can do squats. Mm -hmm. Um, All you need is a pair of (laughs) sneakers. (laughs) And not even that, you know, my grandmother is 105 years old and her, we used to tease her because every night before she went to bed, She'd do some squats, she'd do some push-ups, she'd do some sit-ups and some leg lifts. And, you know, she's like 80 or something at this point. We're like, Grandma, what are you doing? And she's like, ah, leave me alone. I got to do my exercise before I go to bed. And Fantastic. it was like maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. But the woman is 105 years yeah. old. So I, <laughs> yeah. I think it worked. Yeah. Well, you know, I think so too. I think the research shows too that, you know, people who go into like assisted living homes and things like that, the, the primary reason they end up there is for falls, but also because they're no longer able to do activities of daily living. Right. So getting mm-hmm. in and out of the bed themselves, mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. to the bathroom right. themselves, those involve squatting. Those Absolutely. involve the sitting in the getting up, those leg muscles, you know, if we don't manage the loss of that muscle actively every day, and it doesn't take a lot of time, but if we don't do it, we're eventually not going to be able to do it. Use right. it or lose it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just, you know, get out there and like you say, 10 minutes a day or yeah. when you first get up or before you go to bed, make it a lifestyle. Right. Make it something that you do every day. Another study I saw looked at men and push-ups. Mm. And they said that it was a, a evaluating, they actually used firemen evaluating lifespan and individuals who could do 60. Now, you didn't have to do them all at once, and this was men, but if you could do 60 total, let's say in the course of a day or in the course of a, a time frame, um, were much less likely to die young or live longer. So, huh. you know, push-ups... And squats and simple things that we learned in, you know, when we were in PE, when we were kids, <laughs> those will really help you. And it's part of the lifestyle. Yeah. You know? So yeah. like you say, it's not, it's diet and it's exercise. Yeah. I love that. Well, so those are some great red flags and things for us to keep in mind as we evaluate health information, nutrition information, diet information that we see online or we hear from friends. So can we talk about some of the big ones? Okay, so I have a list and I sent these to Kathleen in advance so she could get her mind around some of these popular things that we hear so much about. And I want to just start by saying um, that, you know, we're not this isn't about one a person or an organization or you know any any specific influencer. I mean, I think this is these are broad categories that a lot of people have adopted, and um, I think that we have a lot of questions about them. So mm-hmm. we get questions about them, and I think they come up a lot. and And I just want to make sure, like, we're not criticizing a person if we have critical comments about these um, ideas. We're criticizing maybe the shortcomings and some of the weaknesses. and And I think for each one, there are also some positive things. So, so. 
So we're going to talk about that in a very broad way. Um, but I always like to like not offend anybody. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I just want you to understand <laughs> the benefits and the risks. So we're going to start with one that I think is so popular and one that I get a lot of questions about. Um, and that's Okay, we have been having a great conversation with Kathleen Zellman. I have loved hearing her red flags and hearing her break down the science and help us understand what we should be looking for when it comes to credible, reliable information about nutrition and health and how to spot those things that aren't. So on part two of this show, you'll hear the rest of our conversation with Kathleen, and we will break into some of the most popular diets out there. In fact, we're going to talk about keto and intermittent fasting, all the things that you see in the headlines, and things you might have even tried. We're going to give you our honest, professional opinions. So I hope that you'll um, subscribe to the show. You can do that on iTunes and Stitcher and just about any listening app. Um, make sure that you share it with a friend and that you rate the show. That really helps other people find us too. All right. So this has been part one. Stay tuned for part two. It'll come out in two weeks after this episode. And yeah, we love having you as a listener. Thanks so much. If you have ideas or suggestions, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can do that by emailing southernfriedgirlfriends at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Stay connected with us and let us know what you think. All right. Thanks again, girlfriends. Have a great day.